0: Jake Payne with the St. Louis Battlehawks, and this is the XFL Show.
1: football fans this is week two of the 2020 xfl season this is for the love of football and this is the xfl show i'm alan
0: i'm jake and i'm bryant
1: kickoff weekend was fun and all but the stakes are raised when some teams are staring zero and two in the face this is episode 113 let's get serious got some serious serious games this weekend to talk about you don't want to go 0-2, especially in a league where it's a 10-week season. And if you go 2-0, and you could really separate yourself. I am hyped to talk about some of these games this week. Jake, week two,
2: almost here. It's almost here. And like I said, if I can be serious for a moment, we are closer than ever to the second week of the XFL.
1: Yes, we are. <laughs> Saturday afternoon, it all kicks off with that New York and D.C. game, which might be the best game of the weekend. What a show we have lined up for you. Interviews, games to break down, lots of news from around the league coming after one week of of football games. And and we're going to have two wide receivers on the show that I cannot wait for everybody to hear. If you didn't catch the interviews, they're up on the XFL YouTube page. But we're going to air them here on the podcast. Joe Horn of the New York Guardians, who had a pretty decent game in his first outing with, with Matt McGloin at quarterback. And then we're going to have arguably the best fantasy football player in all of the XFL. Austin Prohl, Seattle Dragons wide receiver, Bryant, who last week was balling out in D.C. and is going to look to do the same in their home opener against Tampa.
0: Yeah, yeah, be careful because, you know, my my, uh, award winning who made Bryant look good award winner um, Nelson Spruce was pretty good last week too. Don't forget about his twenty-four point three fantasy football points. But you're right, uh, Austin pro had a hell of a game in a losing uh, uh, effort, but still uh, something to be reckoned with and someone to be looked at every single week. So I'm sure I don't know what his value is on on DraftKings. We're gonna have to look that up. But yeah, it's a good interview. So you'll catch that here a little in a little bit.
1: Yeah, we will get into DraftKings and the value and the ratings of of players going into week two as well for all you fantasy geeks. We're gonna be covering it all on this show. And remember you could call in and we've got some calls to play for you this week because people are hollering at us on the XFL fan line. And that number is seven, two, four, five, six, five, four XFL call in and give us a good crisp call. Give us your name, where you're from and a comment, a question, whatever you want to say, and we might play it on the show. And we're going to play some of those calls. We got this week after week one for you. And of course you can always hit us up at XFL show on Twitter And we're going to talk about some of the social media activity we've been seeing this week and some of the questions we've gotten there as well. Fan, inclusive, engaging with everybody, all the fellow football fans, Jake. That's what this show is all about. And I cannot wait to hear your reaction to some of the stuff we heard from fans that I pulled for this episode. I think you're going to find very interesting.
2: Well, I hope so. I I have not heard these calls yet. I'm going to be listening to them live, just like all of our listeners. But, you know, I we did get a good look at the Navy Yards at, you know, some of the fans. They were shaking it down there.
1: Yeah, the, yeah the Audi <laughs> Field, they, they were shaking the foundations. MetLife Stadium, too, was rocking. They were going through tables eating cheese and doing all sorts of crazy stuff for the Guardians. Uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about also the excitement in Seattle for their home opener this week. And, of course, L.A., who will be hosting the Dallas Renegades. And, uh, yes, more fans are going to be – dip in their toe into the XFL waters as all these teams make their home openers. We've got two more next week and what a show, what a show we're going to get right into it. Let's let's also don't forget. Let's tell everybody that Vince is not here, but Brian, we are going to be talking from a betting angle as well. When we game preview all the games for week two, Vince called in because he couldn't make it to the, to the formal recording of the show, but he has all of his picks. He he looked at the lines, and the totals, and he he said he's got us this week. Even though, I mean, it should be me. Everybody is is looking forward to because I went four and zero last week, baby.
0: Well, how did you do against the spread? That's how we really have to. Oh, you're right. Look ATS. at that. I don't even uh, remember. Yeah, I don't we... think I did that. <laughs> All of a sudden, now you don't remember. Uh, Vince will join us uh, via satellite phone call, I guess you could say, uh, when we go and make our picks later on in the uh, hot read. But a lot of moving parts down. Like you said, this is a full-fledged football league with a lot of things going on all at one time. I hope we capture enough of it to uh, to quench everybody's thirst here uh, because there's a lot going on, like I said.
1: Oh, there's a lot going on, but that's what we're here for, to cover it all on This is the XFL Show. And like we said, interviews, games to pick, games to preview, and all the news and notes from around the league. So let's do some dinking and dunking, shall we?
3: The XFL Star of the Week, which, by the way, you voted for is PJ Walker. Walker received the most fan votes on Twitter after finishing with four touchdowns, 298 total yards, helping the Roughnecks get the win over the Wildcats.
1: First ever XFL Star of the Week indeed was given away. PJ Walker, my preseason MVP, Bryant. Not to toot my own horn, but toot, toot. What do you mean? What do you mean? Hmm. Hmm. 23. You, I, I went past, 23 you know, for 29. You
0: were
1: four touchdowns. You were, touchdown no, were gloating
0: too much. Yeah, and you actually said if I had to pick one, because remember your original was the quarterback of the Roughnecks. But what then is you said, P.J. If I had Walker? What then is P.J. Said, Walker? If I have to pick. Hold on. Then you said if I have to pick one, it would be Connor Cook.
1: When did I say that?
2: Oh, don't make me pull a tape because I, I will. yeah I don't I, I don't know about that. That's like if you ask me who's going to win the Daytona 500, and I told you the car with four tires. You know, it, it, it's, that it's that sure it, I, I'm even. probably going to be right.
1: Well, let's well we're going to open up the F- XFL fan line in a little bit here, and you know next week maybe on the show if anyone wants to call in 4 XFL. I- is it okay that I keep hyping up that I picked? the Houston Roughnecks quarterback at the beginning of the season as the MVP and PJ Walker is looking as such. Does that mean I didn't pick PJ Walker? He's the Houston Roughnecks quarterback and he's the XFL star of the week, week one, and he might be XFL star of the week, week two. We might have to predict that a little bit later on in the show, but congratulations to him for balling out. And yes, is uh, the most, the most expensive daily fantasy draft Kings uh, quarterback going into week Number two, let's talk about some of the transactions of note as well. Uh, before we kick off on Saturday, some changes to some lineups, and I think most notably, besides the defensive coordinator change in L.A., Bryant, uh, my preseason, Here's here you go, here's me admitting something, my preseason Mr. XFL pick, not even on his team anymore, not playing anymore. Anthony Kimbo Johnson has been designated reserved slash left the team for the Wildcats and uh, is no longer playing there, uh, the same as Pepper Johnson's no longer coaching there. We don't know the whole issue, why that, that happened, but he tweeted out, I'm a free agent, and he's off the team.
0: Yeah, very interesting situation uh, down in Los Angeles with what's going on with Coach Moss and and Pepper Johnson uh, leaving the team or being fired, really, and now uh, Anthony Johnson, one of those leaders on that defensive front, team captain, no longer on the team, uh, a lot of things, a lot of moving parts going on in Los Angeles as well just in itself, and it's hard to keep up, but who knows what the reasons are for leaving the team, uh, but he will not be on the field, and that's a big hole that L.A. Uh, has to fill now because if you watch that game against Houston, Houston stayed away from him for the most part in that game.
1: They did. They were avoiding him, and yeah, the uh, L.A. defense, there's a lot of talk on about them on social media we're going to get into, but... I mean, for having a, a losing effort and you know giving up all those touchdowns to P.J. Walker, for the most part, their their defense showed some flashes and Winston Moss praised them. And you have to believe Anthony Johnson was an important part of that. But now, uh, I mean, I don't know what's – Jake, what do you think is a bigger loss? The fact that they're changing defensive coordinators to, to the head coach this week or the fact that they lost a player like Anthony Johnson who was a leader on the team?
2: I, I don't want to take anything away from Coach Moss now that, you know, he's going to have the pencil for those defensive plays. But I, I think it is a big deal whenever you lose a coordinator versus, you know, losing, like you said, a, a captain on the team. But it, it it's just bigger. You know, you're it's one person versus uh, another person telling 11 people what to do out there. So I, I think it is a bigger deal that you're losing an entire coordinator for, for half of what you do out there. Well, we'll
1: see how the uh, L.A. pass rush looks this weekend against the Air Raid. Anthony Johnson coming from that edge. Uh, see who they replace him with. Uh, my assumption would be Cedric Reed gets uh, the reps Anthony Johnson was getting. He was kind of the the floating reserve edge rusher, uh, at least last week on the depth chart and in the game. Uh, but L.A. has multiple guys. You know, I I would you know I'd love to see Bryant, uh, Sean Oakman take his hand off the ground maybe stand up in, in that two-point, see what, what, what he could do from there. Although, he was impacting the game no matter where he was last week.
0: Oh, yeah, he was, he, he was getting to that quarterback. I don't know if he can take that away and, and, and just to get a, to fill a hole at the linebacker position. I think you keep your strengths where they are. And you try to fill in from, from – what, what, what do they have on Team 9? Anything good? Well,
1: uh, L.A., uh, as far as Team 9, all they added so, uh, this week was Marcus McDade, the quarterback – they they added from Team 9 is in the transactions that went through this week. Uh, team 9, very active, Jake. You called it. Phone ringing off the hook there. So L.A. gets Marcus McDade, and that's, I believe, because uh, Charles Kanoff was a little bit banged up after that game last week, and now Josh Johnson presumably looking good and ready to play and start and take over his role as the starter. But they did lose a quarterback last week, so they call up Marcus McDade from Team 9. The L.A. Wildcats one of the teams that, if you're saying it's a must-win in Week 2, I definitely think they're candidates. And uh, I I'm, I can't wait to hear you who you guys are picking for the L.A.-Dallas game, which might be the most important game of the weekend. Uh, other moves, uh, uh, quarterback-wise, Eric Dungy designated as reserve, left the team for family reasons for the Dallas Renegades going into this game. And uh, they picked up Brogan Roback, the quarterback who in Camp Bryant was with St. Louis uh, Eric Dungy, one of the players, Vince, was really talking up a whole lot going into the season. Uh, was always going to be a backup, but a guy who's got some interesting skills. No longer with the Dallas Renegades. Uh, for now, they bring in Roback. And very similar situation, though, right? At quarterback, too. L.A. had some injuries uh, near the you know lower parts of their quarterback depth chart, but they're getting their starter back. And same with Dallas. It's like mirror images of each other going into, into Sunday's game.
0: Well, that's the hope. I think there's a little bit more turmoil in L.A. than there is in Dallas, but we'll get to that game in a little bit. Uh, Eric Dungy leaving the team—it's—I uh, it, mean, it's—I don't know how it impacts really Dallas. You didn't see him really take the field uh, last Sunday, uh, but I will say that them getting broken row back would have been something great to have going into Week One against St. Louis, uh, rather than after they've lost to them.
1: Do you? They didn't even try Dungy. In that game, I mean, Nelson was fairly accurate, but wasn't hitting downfield. Do you feel like he was ever in danger of getting pulled in that game?
0: No, because the game was so close that even though, you know, Nelson wasn't performing great, Dallas was still moving the football. They got in close range for those three field goals. I think they felt that with what they had going, they could score a touchdown, I think, towards the end of that game. I don't think Nelson was in fear of being pulled.
1: Around the league now, we'll go to the team that beat Dallas last week, the St. Louis Battle Hawks, who were on the road again in Week 2 at Houston. We saw their tight end, Cole Hunt, went down in a heap. Jake, in that that bad injury to the leg, yeah. he was put on injured reserve. He was penalized on that one, too. But St. Louis losing a tight end. Uh, I know we talked about that. But uh, the St. Louis offense, losing a player like that, I mean, still, I feel like – You said I think on the last show that they showed a lot more as an offense than you expected going into week one.
2: Yeah, they did. I I didn't even pick them to win that game. I picked Dallas along with at least two others of you, but you know, they're gonna need all the offense they need this week, going into Houston, putting up, you know, all those points like we were talking about, Phillip Walker, the player of the week, they're gonna need everything they have. And I think it may be, you know, if Jordan Tomu can Uh, contain this game or control this game this week like he did last week at New York, then they have a fighter's chance. But, you know, if you're talking about high-powered offenses, Houston is one that we thought there was going to be. We were also thinking Dallas, and I know myself personally, Tampa Bay, uh, we didn't necessarily see that out out of those two, but we're going to be, you know, getting a whole new quarterback uh, for the Renegades, which I think is going to really shake things up.
1: And finally, to round out some other transactions of note, among others, another one that stood out to me was uh, guard Cyril Richardson was put on IR for the Seattle Dragons. And offensive tackle Brandon Haskin was called up from Team 9. And really cool write-up about him and how excited he is to join Seattle and just in time because they are making their home debut and they're expecting some some really good vibes in CenturyLink uh, this weekend. And uh, they they definitely are going to need to protect... Brandon Silver's in that game because Tampa Bay is not going to be, I think, coming out the way they did against New York, Bryant, where their their defensive line was just not getting at, at the quarterback at all. You have to believe they're going to make some adjustments and really try to get after Silver's, who was under some duress against D.C. and might be vulnerable and might be a good opportunity for that Tampa Bay defensive line.
0: Well, turnovers will be key for that game. If they can get they if they can force uh, Silver's to to turn that ball over like he did in D.C., I think uh, Tampa Bay will have a good shot. But we all we're all talking about the offense also in Tampa Bay, and they have to get that get that clicking. So a lot of things happening there. Uh, but it's going to be a great game out in Seattle. I believe they are the PM game on Saturday.
1: Yes, sir. And we will be talking to one of the players in that game here in just a bit. Austin Prol, the wide receiver, will be joining us for a good crisp interview. But Before we get to our good, crisp interviews and our picks for the week, we do have some business to take care of with you, the football fans. You've you've been calling this week nonstop on the XFL fan line, 724-565-4XFL. And I love hearing from the fans, Jake, but especially when we hear something like this. Where do you hear this first one I play from you from a fan down in Houston? This is what I think it's all about when it comes to what the XFL is providing fans, an opportunity to take the entire family to go see football that's played at a high level, that's exciting. And this one really just, oh, hit me right in the in my right in my heart. And, and it made me so happy as a football fan.
3: Hey, how you doing, guys? My name is Brent down here in Houston, Texas. Uh, I went, me and my kids. I uh, got three boys, uh, eleven, eight, and uh, seven. We all went to the game on Saturday against the uh, the Wildcats, and man, we had a phenomenal time. You know, uh, the the Houston Houston crowd really showed up. The tailgate was awesome. We got out there probably about three hours before the game started, and, and tailgate. The weather was great. Uh, uh, me and my boys are really looking forward to this Sunday. We, we also got tickets. We're going to see them play the Battle Hawks again, uh, man, it just, the atmosphere was great, it's, you know, the weather was good, you know, it's it's Houston, man, you know, in the state of Texas, we love football, and I, I just hope it really just it keeps going like this, it gives you something to do when, you know, the Texans are, you know, are not playing, and, and, and high school football is not going on, and, and it really, it really was enjoyable to watch the fast-paced game, my kids got t-shirts, and we bought a bunch of memorabilia, and, uh, you know, my kid's so excited again. So, man, y'all keep up what you're doing. Looking forward to the show. Um, start listening to you guys every Tuesday and Thursday. Keep it up. Have a great day.
1: Brenton Houston. Doesn't get any better <laughs> that than that. Great. That is what it's taking your three boys to a game. That is
0: amazing. Well, let me double down on that a little bit, Alan, because on social, on YouTube on this one, a Christian said, I had more fun at the Roughnecks game than I've had at a football game in years. The energy was crazy. It was it was people who love football, and I lost my voice for two days. So Damn. it's a good time out there. I'm glad everyone's actually having a, a great time, it sounds like. I can't wait to go to my first game this week. But that's awesome. I mean, to go out and spend some time with your family... How much would it have cost him to take his boys to an NFL game if you really oh, think
2: about oh, it? Oh, well, tons. I was even just thinking something, you know, something even uh, cheaper than that, like going to a movie, loading up on some candy or popcorn or something like that. But, uh, you know, yeah, Alan, getting back to what you were asking me about, you know, uh, getting the old ticker going there, r- really hitting you in the chest. Oh, we, we saw this stuff in DC. We saw families getting out of vans in full defenders gear.
1: We did, yeah, pulling up right next to us in the parking lot. They were ready. They were, they knew this was coming, and they said, we're going to go have fun as a family watching football together at an, a, at an affordable price. Honestly, that that is just so huge, and that's yeah. what makes this possible, and it's just cool to hear that. And then, of course, Houston, you get to see P.J. Walker and the Roughnecks pull out probably the most spectacular performance of any team last week, I would say. And the most impressive number one, at least in our power rankings. And I think most anybody who's paying attention to this league after one week. Yeah. But still the buzz in Houston is real. People are, are, are really hyped up and it was cool to hear that. And actually we have another one here. We're going to play from a rough next fan. Uh, but before we play it here, Jake, we heard some talk. He's talking about chance in this one. We're going to play from the XFL fan line. And you know, we heard some awesome chants in DC. I, I know you, you like the the what was it? DC. Whoop whoop
2: DC. Yes. Whoop. That <laughs> yeah, was but really before the kickoff, even yeah. they
1: they were they they loved it. They were chanting Go for Three. That is the that's the chant in the XFL, no matter what stadium you're in. Go for three is the chant everybody I I'm definitely gonna be an advocate for. Uh but I also heard in, in New York uh Guardians," which uh, it's in the lead for me in terms of team specific. And then you have this, this fan, Scott, calling in, who has an idea. Says, he said uh, we weren't in Houston, but he said this was going down a little bit, and I want to know if you guys think it'll catch on.
3: My
4: name is Scott. I'm from uh, from Houston. I'm in Austin. If there's any way you guys can help the phrase, throw them off the rig to catch on in Houston, I think you should absolutely do
3: it. Throw them off the rig. Throw them off the rig. <laughs> throw them off the rig. You all are awesome.
4: Thanks for covering this
3: throw them off the rig.
2: What do you think about that? <laughs> throw them off the rig. Uh, it, it's going to be yeah, a that little means bit, you- it's going to be a little difficult to uh you know cooperate with however <laughs> many thousand are in there to get them going. Now if if they wanted to do something like uh like we saw at the DC game, you know, before kickoff, on the big screen then yeah possibly you could get that but yeah if you're just going grassroots it might be a little difficult to throw
0: to throw somebody off the rig that that means that you had to let them on the rig to begin with and why would you let your own your your opposing team on the rig to begin <laughs> listen with? N- none of us are drilling for oil yeah so.
1: <laughs> let's let's not pass
2: too much judgment there. yeah
1: i like it i would i would definitely join in scott if you're chanting throw them off the rig and i'm at the game i would do that with you uh but the thing is that he brings up a good point this is week 2 of the XFL these fan bases are still finding their identities as the just as the teams are fans are and we've talked about this in the past you are the first you are the first fans of a team when do you ever get to say that and when do you ever get to really create the terminology create the chance, create the 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 atmosphere the history you get to lay that groundwork so I like what Scott's doing here. He's thinking that way. He's seeing the opportunity. He's saying, I'm going to go for it. Throw him off the rig. If that sticks, we'll see, Scott. But I like that you're going for that. Um, I'm going to go with the Guardians as the number one right now. I think as as a league, everybody needs to chant go for three. Every week, all season long. And, well, you know what? Might as well do it right now. This week, Jake, do you think someone goes for three?
2: Uh, I... I thought somebody was going to do it last week, uh, but but then I thought somebody was going to run back a a kickoff also, so and well, and, and throw a double forward pass.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> I don't know which is going to happen first. I would put my money on someone going for three first, and I'm going to say someone goes for three this week. I feel it. I don't know about double forward pass though, Brian. What about you?
0: I think someone will go for three, but more of necessity. I don't think it's going to be out of a. Like how you guys are saying that they're just going to go for it. It's it has to be out of necessity. I don't see any reason why you would ever go for three that isn't a necessity. So I, I say yes, but again, it's because they're down by like nine or some score that would allow them to come back easier, easily.
2: I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I was just so many times last week where I thought there was an opportunity for a double forward pass that I was you know, just got on. The <laughs> edge of every my play. Seat. Think of that. <laughs> eh, not 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 every play, but. <laughs> But there were a good bit of them where there was definitely potential there.
1: We have one more XFL fan line call I want to get to, and this one is one that's uh, very interesting because we've heard some coaches say they felt exposed because of all the coverage Jim Zorn said as much. uh, But we have an interesting call here from Rex who uh, wants us to get into something we did not really mention in the last episode.
3: Hi, this is Rex from Chicago. Uh, I have a question. Is it possible for someone on the other team to monitor the T V broadcast when the announcer says what the play that is about to be run to cheat the system? AKA Bill Belichick and relay the call to his team he is working for. All
0: right, Rex, I, I don't Oh wait hold on. F- I I know the answer. I know the answer, Alan. Sorry to cut <laughs> yeah. you off. Go Only ahead. in Houston. Only in Houston, why? Seriously, trash can. I'm a Dodger fan. I'm a
1: Dodger fan. Oh, oh yeah. OK, that's baseball. Um, you can't do that here. And I do. I do like that. He took the shot at Bella cheat and not uh, and not yeah. use the not the Astros, because that's a real cheater, uh, but taking the higher. Yeah, I like that. Rex. But no, I don't think so, because the TV broadcasts are, you know, on somewhat of a delay. And I just don't think that's practical. I don't think it's it would take. I mean, really impeccable timing and some kind of awesome TV feed that I just don't think anybody has, Jake.
2: Yeah, no, right now that's not possible. Sure, you could uh, pull up the broadcast on your phone, but by the time there's the delay on television and you hear what they're calling and you give that to your coach to relay that to the headsets, they're probably on the next play already. Yeah, and
0: I—I uh, I I, mean, that's what you. Th- I mean, yeah, I, you guys are joking. You think I'm joking with this Astros thing? But with the if the Astros could do it, anybody could do it. It doesn't take just that not, much to relay the, that. No, it doesn't take are, that much time to time relay. There's not enough time for TV. There's there's to, tons of time. There's tons of time. There's, there's and even if you don't not know, enough. Are
1: you no, the TV I think broadcasts are on they they're delayed Brian there's it, it,
0: they're it delayed be by
2: like five seconds it's not live television is not that delayed but, okay really, but not even t- for sports take five take five seconds and then add in everything else that you have to do to relay that to your defense also five seconds ten all, seconds no also, there's not enough time
1: whoever if also the person watching on TV would a have to be not in the they'd have to be somewhere with a TV feed they couldn't use a stream because that definitely would be too delayed and they would have to be on a on a communication line with someone who's not the head coach because he's wearing a headset that is you know go that is closed off and there's a very limited amount of people on those on those headsets on those lines so there would be have to have to be some sort of houston astros thing going on that would be an outside
0: sort of signal bryant that would have to to signal it's impossible. There's no way. No, it's not way. impossible. But here, here's what I'll say. The only way, the only way that this works for any broadcast is the teams just have to agree not to do it. That that's the and, and you just have to kind of honor right. that. Because if if unless unless those teams agree to do that, no, there's no way this I is possible. Because I guarantee that. you there's a way if, possible. If no, you could figure you out a way, way to take if
1: you could figure out a way to do that to steal the T V broadcast sign that or, or or communication from a broadcast and relay that to your people on the field in the sideline you are a master communicator and you deserve to win the game and i don't
2: care if you yeah, do it. really the only way you could do this that is like and, and some I, navy, been,
1: that's some navy seal stuff jake if, uh, I'm i've been pull that thinking
2: off. about this and i think you should go as low tech as possible so if, if you see somebody around that stadium with uh, a CRT TV with some rabbit ears hooked up to it and uh, sending smoke signals with a blanket, then maybe you have a chance.
1: I does he, see Jude Jones sitting in a lazy boy watching a CRT TV while coaching (laughs) the game, just stealing signs.
0: That's really the quickest way to do it, and I'm not joking. Uh, Look, in reality – is it going to happen? No. Is it probably going to happen? No. But I guarantee you that if I, we'll do this this weekend, how about that? I'll be at the LA game. You, Jake or uh, or Alan, you guys, as long as you're on a regular television, call me while the game is on and see if we can get the plays in faster than the def- than the offense snaps the ball.
1: We'll try it. Why can't we try it? I'll, I'll try it. Try I'm going to tell you it's it's, it's not, not going
0: to work try. at all. It's it's okay, but virtually what I'm telling impossible. you, the only way that this, the only way you could do this is if the teams agree not to do anything like that because I guarantee somebody could figure out a way to capture this audio, and then use it on the I
1: mean, I see, you're negating the fact that I don't want to have to put this out there, but Jake and I have worked in TV. We've worked on broadcasts. We know how this works. It's too delayed. It's impossible. I'm telling you. But we'll do it. it We'll do the test, Brian. We will humble you, and we will make you humble (laughs) when we do the test. Thanks Uh, for the call, Rex on the xfl fan line and again if you want to get in on the show like any of those callers 724-565-4xfl we appreciate all those and of course all the love we get on on twitter at xfl showing a lot of interesting stuff asked there brian
0: a lot of stuff, and someone brought one thing up that I wanted to talk about, because we didn't really get a chance to, to to touch on it last week. The Swamp Dane on Twitter had a little bit of a problem with some of the XFL's rankings of defense, and I don't think we really talked about that. He said, does it make sense that LA defense is higher than the New York Guardians in terms of the rankings? Uh, we didn't talk defense, so maybe we can just chit-chat, because I thought it would be a good segue into who had the best defense last week.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the Guardians... Played amazing red zone defense. Let's put. We have to acknowledge that probably the you no know, the best the best red zone defense. They took the ball away, and you know they they played well, but but the LA defense was put in some crappy positions, and I think we're as a team to to hold PJ Walker and to even say they held him to anything is I mean he was under 300 yards I mean the 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 Guardians gave up more yards than PJ Walker was getting to Tampa I mean no not a lot of people are acknowledging that um I don't know the Guardians were getting after the quarterback though too they they had some sacks they had picks they just made plays man so I the L.A. defense isn't as bad as the score indicated, but I still would put the Guardians' defense ahead of them after week one.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't want to rattle all you know all eight teams one to eight right now, but if you're just talking about Guardians and the Wildcats, I think the only numbers you need to look at are the Guardians allowed three points and the Wildcats allowed, what was that's, it, 31? That's, something that's like horrible.
0: That's, don't say that. You can't go by points because the Guardians well, –
2: That's what if the use. Guardians – just no, but the Guar-
0: no, but if the Guardians show up with that same defense in DC on Saturday, guess what's gonna happen? Oh, we'll see. Cardell Jones is gonna, is gonna score points, what? not like Tampa Bay.
1: You think if Cardell so- Jones gets sacked five times and if the Guardians pick him I off twice, think- they're gonna lose?
0: I don't. Cardell Jones Aaron Murray is not Cardell Jones. It takes like six men to take Cardell Jones down. This is not the same team that they're facing. I guarantee you that. I will say the best defense was probably the Roughnecks though last week, shutting down LA in that second half. They made adjustments, uh, came out strong in that second half. It didn't let LA really do anything. So I think the Roughnecks might have the best defense. at least going into week two. Uh, you were just really insulting the Vipers right yeah,
2: now. Also,
1: I I would pr- I yeah. mean I would I'm putting the Guardians as if we're doing just defensive units which we did not do on the last show but I would I put Guardians 1 Houston 2 St. Louis a very close 3 uh to Houston um but all the I mean Houston just oh my god did you I don't know we this is this is actually bad this is bad on us we did not say this number Houston hit the quarterback in week 1 16 times they got five sacks <laughs> they hit Kanoff <laughs> 16 oh my goodness
0: well, that, that good was thing. that's why Kanaf was a DN that, that was why Knopf was a DNP on the, on the last practice th- yeah. before the game
1: good so. thing Josh Johnson didn't play in that game we'll learn a lot more <laughs> I'm interested to see if Houston's defense has that sort of production and and impact on the game this week because that is ridiculous I think that's going to be tough to do against Jordan Tamu. but we'll break down the game in just a little bit anything else from social media Bryant
0: Oh, there's tons, and I appreciate it because I try to like and, and, and read, and, and we're always sharing within each other and what you're sending us. So keep sending those, in. we'll make more and more a part of this show because, in reality, it is about the fans, and that's you guys right there.
1: Yep, we love it. At XFL Show and, of course, the XFL Fan Line, call 724 4 xfl What do you say we get into our first good, crisp interview for this episode? It's been up on YouTube, but we're throwing it into the podcast for all of you who – dive into the feed and are expecting some good, crisp interviews. We've got a couple of them. First up here, we're going to go to the Guardians and their wide receiver, Joe Horn. Yes, son of that Joe Horn, playing receiver for the Guardians, catching passes from Matt McGloin, had a couple of big catches in that game and uh, definitely made an impact against the Vipers in that victory. I spoke with him earlier in the week, all about his offense coming out in week one, looking Pretty good and what they're trying to improve going into week two in this big game against D.C. Here you go. Joe Horn from the New York Guardians in this week's good, crisp interview. Good, crisp football. I was in MetLife Stadium and the atmosphere was electric Mm -hmm. as a fan and as as someone covering the game and just there as a fan. How did it feel to get out there during the debut weekend of the XFL as a player in that stadium with that
5: week one atmosphere man it was amazing man just to be in MetLife alone was an amazing accomplishment I felt but uh getting there arriving to the stadium seeing all the fans tailgating and then actually getting the game kicked off and seeing hearing how loud the fans are uh and seeing how the big support we had that came out man it was amazing so
1: Yeah, you guys definitely had some tremendous support from the Guardians fans. I saw them in the parking lot. They were getting rowdy. Some might even say a little too rowdy, but I was all for it. They were having a good time, man, watching you guys get that big W. And the offense, I was really impressed because you guys had contributions from yourself uh, and a bunch of players on the ground with Cook and McGloin, obviously running that thing at quarterback, and then McHale going deep. I mean, You guys had a lot of different contributors. How do you feel you're progressing coming out of that game against Tampa Bay? Was that performance where you were hoping it would be in week one?
5: Uh, I I wouldn't say it's where we were hoping it would be because we left a lot of things out there, man. We left a lot of big plays out there. But we are satisfied that we got the win and that a couple guys made big plays. But we know coming into this next week versus D.C., we're going to have a big challenge. And it's going to be on uh, all of us on the offense, but mostly they trust their uh, defenders a lot, so it's going to be on our receiving court to pretty much uh, get the job done, and we're going to do what we can.
1: Yeah, yeah, you guys have a, a great matchup against the D.C. Defenders. I saw their game in person, too. Yeah. They look pretty good. We'll get into the matchup in a second, but I wanted to ask you about okay. all those additions in week one with, you know, with all, the, all the access the league has given fans on the field with the mics and the cameras and interviewers yeah. running up to you. Did you dig all that? How did you, how, what was your reaction to it all?
5: Uh, Man, I like it. Honestly, uh, in my opinion, I think it's fun. I think it's better for fans because they get to actually see what's going on. And for the fans that are at home that don't really understand football, they can still uh, have an excitement aspect to the game by hearing what we're talking about and uh, cameras interviewing us right after big plays and uh, hearing the offensive coordinator and head coaches call out the plays. I just feel like it adds extra excitement to the game, and uh, I like it.
1: I mean, most fans I think I saw on social media were really digging it. I know you players you oh, know, you yeah. might have to get, get a little bit used to it, but I'm sure you guys are going to maybe come out with a strategy and be prepared and know when the interviews are coming and, and maybe have something ready for fans moving forward the rest of the season. It was all only week one, right?
5: Yeah, right, man. Uh, we had we had a couple of uh, talks. Uh, the media came in and let us know what to expect, and uh, we were kind of shocked to be honest because we didn't know what to expect until they came in and uh getting to see the first couple of games because we played the second day this weekend that kind of gave us a good idea of how it would be um coming out there but uh now that we've actually played one game we're ready for it It should be nothing for us
1: nice yeah and i'm and you guys were entertaining in week one and i can't wait to see what happens the rest of the season with all that but obviously the the play, the play yeah. is what it's all about. And you guys, I mean, as a as a receiving core, I really impressed me in week one. And I think I, I personally think a lot has to do with who you're up against in practice every day. You guys have an awesome secondary in New York. Mm-hmm. They had two picks against Tampa yeah. Bay. How fun are practices going up against those guys every single
5: day? Uh practices are very competitive, man. Uh competitive. Uh we, we go we go at it, man. Every practice every day. There's no days off. We know uh, as a receiving core, we're going to get challenged every day. And uh, from the pride that every one of the guys have in the, in the wide receiver room, uh, we don't like to get stopped that, that often, that easy. So even though we're going against our own guys, we, we like to push them because we know for a fact they're going to push us. Like they showed the world uh, this weekend, they're a great group of, of defense hold, but the, um, the uh, defensive backs are – uh, special group man, and we happy. I'm happy that they're part of my team, and I don't have to see them on game day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I bet, man, they looked awesome against Tampa Bay., uh, you know, no touchdowns in that one, and I'm sure you're looking to do more of the same hey. in d c Audi field. I could tell you that place was pretty rocking the, the they had a big crowd, uh, and their their fans were into it, man. Week one and week two now they know they have a one and team coming in and to represent their hometown. You guys are going in there against the defenders, how how do you think you guys match up with D.C.?
5: I think we match up very well, uh, even all across the board, in my opinion. Um, I'm always going to give my team the upper edge uh, just because I believe in our guys. But uh, I I respect the D.C. defenders 100%. I've seen what they came out and what they can do. And uh, we're just going to try to take advantage of their weaknesses and uh, do the best we can to try to get the win.
1: Yeah, they really took advantage of some mistakes from Seattle in Week One. So I know you guys, as an oh, offense, yeah. are going to be going out there really focused on on playing your game, not making any mistakes, not you know shooting yourself in the right. foot. And you guys did not do that against Tampa Bay. You were thoroughly prepared. So I'm sure more of the same. You're looking for yeah. this week against DC, uh, man. I got to tell yeah. you a lot of us here on the show and you know fans watching the XFL watch your dad ball out for the Saints some legendary oh, moments yeah. this is yeah. the XFL you you going to have anything planned when you're at Audi Field maybe a phone planted anywhere or, or are you going to do your own thing
6: Uh,
5: <laughs> uh I'm going to have to keep that to myself man I'm going to let y'all uh I'm gonna let y'all find out when when I get in the end zone right now I just want to pretty much focus on getting in the end zone and and scoring for my team. But after that, that's when I'm going to pull out my little tricks and do what I can do to give some fans some excitement. So I don't (laughs) think it'll be a cell phone too early. I haven't accomplished – enough for that but i might do a little something <laughs>
1: yeah plus we're gonna get a flip phone these days <laughs> joe <laughs> joe man I had, I had to ask we didn't get the exclusive but i know you're gonna do some special stuff whenever you get to the end zone you've already made some clutch catches yes, in sir. that first game man <laughs> we can't wait to see you take the field in dc against the defenders this weekend week two in the xfl yes. saturday 2 p.m on abc really appreciate you joining us here
5: yes sir i thank y'all for bringing me on
1: Thanks to Joe Horn and everyone at the New York Guardians for hooking us up with that interview. Get, catch that and all of our interviews. Whenever we, we get them, Brian, we're putting them up on YouTube, on XFL YouTube immediately as soon as we get those recorded sometimes early in the week before we do the show. So we appreciate them earlier in the week giving us access to Joe Horn and look forward to talking to more members of that Guardians offense and I can't wait to talk to some of their DF, DBs. We've already talked to a couple of them, Brian, but That is a special group, and we're going to actually – I got some sound from one of their other special players that I spotlighted last week going into week one. But uh, what do you say we talk about some big news that was announced for later in this season? Because, I mean, I know, Jake, you've been waiting to hear where that championship game is going to be played. I have. uh, And, 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 you know, for a while, kind of – I mean, I was so excited for the start of the season, I wasn't even thinking about it, but you kept reminding me. And, well, this week it finally got announced. We know we're April 26th championship game will be played. We're going to discuss that and a whole lot more in this week's cover two. What is he doing? What? In what, the what, world. What, 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 what 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 what? We're going to Houston. That's what. <laughs> we're going to Houston. Yes, Houston, Texas Sunday, April 26th, 3 p.m. live on ESPN. The XFL championship game will take place. That news is broken by Joseph Duarte of the Houston Chronicle earlier in the week, and the XFL had had an announcement press release early Thursday, and it is official. Yes, Harris County, Houston Sports Authority, and the XFL teaming up to present the XFL championship from TDECU Stadium, a 40,000-plus-person stadium that, Bryant, you and I got very intimate with. We were walking all over. I mean, I've been in every nook and cranny in that building it's a beautiful place for football, and I couldn't think of a better location for this championship game considering the weather, the centrality, and the fact that it holds a- enough people, I think, that are going to be clamoring to see that big game on April 26th.
0: Yeah, Alan, you you and I spent a lot of time uh, down at TDCU Stadium, and it's a really nice venue. The, the The It's a new venue. It looks nice. It's very presentable on television. It looked great on week one. Uh so, uh, I'm very excited to see what's going to what the city itself is going to do to put this uh, this uh, championship game on display. Because this is not just a partnership with this with Houston, or this is not just the uh, the XFL saying we're going to play a game in Houston. This is the XFL partnering with the Harris County Houston Sports Authority to make this happen. So you know that the 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 city of Houston is going to be involved in trying to get as many people to this game as possible. The market. Uh, the marketing is going to be off the off the chains for for this game. You know, you know, Alan. When you and I got kind of wind of this possibly being the the location, we were we we discussed it. We thought it was an interesting location, but but that was at the very beginning of training camp when we heard that. After a couple days, we we're like, okay, this makes sense. This place is ready for it. It's great. It's a great location. Tons of things to do uh, down there by by the stadium. So I'm really excited to see what's going to happen. Uh, come April twenty
1: sixth. Yeah, and it's awesome because it's you know just an easy place to get to no matter where you're at in the country. It's a busy airport, it's a busy town, and it's it's just it's it's ease of access is what it's all about. And on April twenty sixth, I think a lot of people are going to be hyped up to see who becomes the first XFL champion, Jake. And what I really like about this is that when tickets go on sale to the public in March, uh, on, on XFL dot that the priority is going to be given to the XFL season ticket holders, the founding XFL season ticket holders. Uh, I think that's really cool because those are the people who are investing early on and super hyped for the XFL. And, you know, they should be the ones that get that chance to be there on April 26th first.
2: Yeah, I'll agree with you. I think that's fair. That's how other leagues operate. Uh, I want to ask you guys, since this is going to be, you know, the big blow off game, if you will, on ESPN, do you think ESPN is going to do like? Are they going to try anything? You know, maybe like they do the college football uh, championship game, where you know ESPN two will have. Oh, uh, I know where you're you know, getting. I know where you're. So, so you're. I'm just saying, if if somebody wants to, you know, fly the four the four of us to Houston to sit on couches and talk about the game live, I would not say no.
1: <laughs> I, I, I I just cannot dis- – I can't disagree with that. I'm down for – I don't even have to – I no, I want to be there in Houston for it, but I definitely will talk – I'll talk live about that game. Uh, that would be fun to do. We'll see what we do. We got The world is our oyster. It's the XFL. It's year one, and we're trying new things on this show. The league's trying new things. Who knows what's going to happen April 26th. All I know for now is that it's in Houston. It's at TDECU Stadium. It is going to be off the hook, and – I mean, after one week, the a team might have a home game in that one, Bryant. That that could be very interesting.
0: Well, that would be great for the championship game and attendance. But that's the question you have to ask, right? What if Houston is not in that game? I don't. I think only a few of us did have Houston in that game. I didn't. Vince didn't. Jake, did you have Houston? I in no, next? I did not. Yeah. See, so if Houston one. makes it. Yeah, you're the only one. So if Houston makes it, I think it's going to be great for that game, but if it's not, is it going to be just as good? I think it will be. You have Dallas close enough, the airport, you know, flying into Houston's relatively inexpensive uh, so it should be should make and, and then Texas just loves football, right? The question that I also have too is if it's 40,000 and they fit 40,000 into that stadium for this game, does that basically negate like teams like LA and DC? who play in smaller stadiums from hosting a championship game uh, come year two or three.
1: Yeah, I I'm, I'm, I'm probably anti Audi field holding one just after going there last week, great home home stadium for DC, I think, but in terms of a championship game, I think you would want a bigger place. And also that standing room only section. Great for the defenders. I love that. They have that, that, that section of the stadium should have a name, the def- the defender something i don't know i don't want ha- that's up to the defender's fan standing for the shield yeah they're their area but for a you know neutral field uh, that place is a total home field advantage i don't think it works tdecu stadium bigger uh central in terms of all, where all eight teams are located across the country and also i think that city is just able to accommodate to accommodate an event as big as the XFL wants this championship game to be. So makes the most sense. And I think places also like Tampa and maybe LA smaller, but I think LA makes sense. Uh, um, I haven't been to the stadium though, bright. You might have to give me some, some uh, feedback when you go this weekend in terms of the vibe and what you think in terms of a future championship location. But for year one, Houston, I definitely think makes a ton of sense and we cannot wait for April 26th. It is only week two though. So, we got a while to go
2: before then. Let's talk about... We are
1: closer it. than ever
2: yes, to the championship game.
1: We are. That is right, true.
2: We are. I didn't even think about that yet, but we are.
1: We're also closer than ever to Seattle finally getting to see their team up close and personal. This weekend in Century League Field is rumored to be spectacular, quite honestly. Uh, this is via Scott Hansen from the Seattle Times who spoke with the president of the Dragons, Ryan Gustafson, who is reporting that the team is hoping the crowd at CenturyLink Field will be 30,000 strong. They're, they're expecting that many people, Bryant, for their home opener. And if the Dragons get that, it's going to be hard to beat them uh, if you're the Tampa Bay Vipers.
0: <laughs> that is a, a big number for Seattle. Uh, that's going to be great. I mean, if we see that and the way it's going to look and the way the acoustics are in that stadium – it's going to be loud, and it's going to be great. Uh, it's going to be hard for Tampa to play, but that's going to be awesome for the XFL and for Seattle itself.
1: I'm excited to see that game for sure uh, because that is the Saturday afternoon game, but to see what that looks like on TV with all those fans they are reporting about 30,000 fans, Jake. Uh, we saw, a D, like we've been saying, a DC crowd that was rowdy uh, and looked good. Uh, the, the New York, you know, playing in that huge stadium, I don't know. I didn't see it on TV. I was there, though. I felt it. But on TV, it might look uh, a little awkward because it is such a big place, but it definitely was loud. They definitely were into it. But in Seattle, 30,000, knowing what those fans bring in the NFL and also on that field for MLS games, that will look, I think, very cool on TV
2: this weekend when the Dragons host the Vipers. Yeah, if they could do that, it would look great. Uh, You know, that may be a... Uh, a little high, but again, I, I don't live there and, and they do show up for uh, all their other sports teams. And then you're getting the NHL club there. But even if you got, uh, you know, 22 to 25,000, I, I think that would be a success for a, you know, a big NFL stadium.
1: And then the other one is next week. uh, Another one to circle is the St. Louis Battlehawks debut. And from a KMOX interview, uh, the Senior Vice President and General Manager of the America Center Complex, uh, which is a long way of saying uh, the dude who's running the Battle Dome, uh, Matt Dewey, uh, he, he was in an interview. He said they're expecting around 28000 for next week's Battle Hawks debut at home. And we've been talking about that home opener more than any of them for a long time, Brian. Next week when the Battle Hawks get home, if they show up 2-0, in front of that crowd, it's going to be, in a word, memorable.
0: <laughs> uh, 2-0 with victories against both Texas teams would be great uh, for the city of St. Louis. That that, that stadium is going to be electric. The dome is going to be great. It, it just reminds me of what I saw with the Commanders. <laughs> when I, with excuse how... me.
1: Excuse me. The Battle Dome.
0: <laughs> the Battle Dome. Uh, what I saw with the Commanders in San Antonio you saw a uh, a city that wants football, which is what C- St. Louis is, and they're going to be cheering on this team inside of a dome. <clears throat> Excuse me, the Battle Dome. Uh, it's going to be great. I can't wait to to see what what the fans have in store because it's going to be a ruckus crowd. Uh, and the, what have they five, four or five years removed from a professional football game in their
2: city? Uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm not sure that they even need to win this week. You know, I, I don't. I, no. I, I still think a lot of people are going to show yeah. up. That's that's just bonus, really. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, that, exactly, Jake. Yeah, bonus. If they're 2-0, it'll just be a little bit louder, but it's going to be off the hook no matter what. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of like the fact that now it is, uh, you know, three. the first three weeks all have home openers in them. I actually at first was kind of skeptical, was hoping everyone would get a home game in the first two weeks, but dragging it out this way, uh, you know, seeing that the Battle Hawks are handling the road all right, uh, you know, that's and we'll see what the Vipers do. It's actually kind of making me more excited for for weeks two and three. So uh, we are really anticipating this weekend in Seattle next weekend, especially in St. Louis. And of course, L.A. and Tampa Bay have their home openers as well. And we will uh, hear from you fans and what you get from the, the vibe at your home stadiums as your XFL teams make their home debuts. You got a lot to live up to D.C., Houston, New York. They all brought it. Uh, Dallas's fans brought it. Their team just didn't pull it out in, in, in the wind column. Uh, real quick, also bonus cover two here uh, for all you fantasy players. Uh, PJ Walker is tops of the quarterback charts this week, going into Week Two against St. Louis. Uh, coming in just above Cardale Jones and a little bit more than Jordan Tamu uh, in terms of value and the price tag. Uh, for a quarterback. Um, also Landry, well actually Landry Jones, Matt McGloin getting changed up here and the, the price tag on them is going up a little bit as well as Landry Jones gets announced as uh, eligible for that game. At running back, Devion Smith of the Tampa Bay Vipers is up there for uh, running backs Jarrell Presley as well as James Butler of the Houston Roughnecks. Uh, I would probably personally go with Matt Jones or Elijah Hood. I like what I saw out of those guys are any Seattle Dragons running backs because they're all good, and then wide receiver. Obviously, Brian. Everybody's trying to get their hands on Nelson, Spruce, Austin Prohl, or Daniel Williams.
0: Yeah, I, I know. I picked Nelson Spruce for the season as well as for Week One. I might. His price tag is super high for Week Two. So many questions at quarterback. So many questions for that team. I, I, you know, I don't know if I'm going to expect the same performance out of him. Twenty-four points fantasy points is a lot. And to get that on a second week when people are already watching you, uh might stay away cuz this price tag's pretty high.
1: Yep, that's your da- daily fantasy and that's of course we're going by the rankings of DraftKings no matter where you're playing though. Uh we want to hear from you and what you're you're doing and what your ideas are for fantasy as everybody's learning each and every single week about XFL fantasy. I am very fascinated to see what people are talking about with how they play and what they're doing uh on DraftKings fan duel and uh, I'm not playing myself, but I am keeping track of it all. And, you know, that also informs us because if you're, you know, into c- certain players, we're going to try to get them on the show to talk about, you know, what they got playing and what's up their sleeve. And you heard from Joe Horn there. He might be something, you, someone you pick up or maybe our next guest who we're going to talk to right now, Austin Prohl, Seattle Dragons, the wide receiver, uh, joined me earlier this week to talk about, his performance, which was tremendous against the D.C. Defenders. Unfortunately, his team did not win. And I talked to him about that and also what the offense needs to do to really finish off the game this week against Tampa Bay because, they, like you said, Jake, they showed signs, but they did not have a great fourth quarter. Austin Prohl talked about that and a whole lot more here in this week's second Good Crisp interview. Good Crisp football. Had a great game against the D.C. Defenders in week one, but unfortunately, Austin, you guys did not get the W, but you were going home in front of a a highly anticipated crowd, a crowd that is expected to be pretty, pretty rowdy, pretty excited to see some XFL football. How excited is it to return home after just getting a taste in week one?
4: You know, we're excited to to experience our fans at home. You know, we've heard nothing but great things about, you know, football in Seattle, and, uh, you know, we're excited.
1: Awesome. Well, man, I'm excited to watch you play because you stood out like a sore thumb in a good way in that game. You had had five catches, 88 yards, and the two touchdowns, finding the end zone for the Dragons. The offense, though, you guys in the the fourth quarter had some issues. What do you guys have to do to get back on track uh, stemming from that D.C. game so you could get the W over Tampa?
4: Yeah, we just need to focus on uh, the things that we do best and uh, just come back to practice this week and really work on the the little things um, that will – uh, you know at the end of the day continue to help with the big things just continue to come together uh, so you know we're just focused this week went back to work um, put our heads down or, and excited to go tackle win well when you
1: were out there man it was a, it was a exciting different kind of game that's what the XFL has promised but for the players as well I'm interested to know how you reacted to all of it with all the access the microphones the cameras and even the coaches in your ear as a wide receiver that was very different
4: yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, it's definitely different. You're not used to it. Uh, you, you know, usually
6: only the quarterback
4: has a mic, but it was pretty cool to experience. You know, being able to hear play calls and then you know coming to the sidelines with the cameras and stuff. Uh, it's definitely different, but um, you know, kind of gets everybody involved. You and your teammates. Um, you know, brings a little bit of juice. It's a good way to connect with the fans. Um, you know, and everybody listening on TV.
1: So when you got that that one touchdown, did you have Coach Zorn in your ear yelling, "Tiptoe, tiptoe, tiptoe!" when you were on the sideline? <laughs> no i didn't i did not well that was an amazing play man that was one of the highlights of the weekend and talk to me about your two quarterbacks you had brandon silvers and bj daniels out there last week i mean uh daniels you know only had the one passing attempt but you guys have some variety at quarterback how has it been in practice with with your, your quarterbacks and getting to know them and getting that 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 camaraderie with them and getting on the same page
4: Yeah, I think it's been awesome. You know, I give both of them a lot of credit. Each and every day they come, you know, come to work, uh, you know, ready to go and ready to to try to improve and get better. Um, You know, we're just trying to get on the same page each and every day, trying to, you know, as receivers, trying to get our timing right, Um, you know, trying to give them the best look we can uh, to be in the right position at the right time. And then, obviously, come Saturday, we want to click.
1: Now your opponents are going to be the 0-1 Tampa Bay Vipers who – you know, they went to New York and they could, they could not score, but their their defense also gave up some big plays. As a wide receiver, you have to see that on tape and see some opportunities. What are you seeing from your opponents this week, and where do you guys think you could do some damage?
4: Yeah, I mean, just like us, you know, uh, we're gonna, you know we came back and made adjustments. You know, I know they're going to come back and make adjustments. You know, they're a great team. Um, you know, great speed, athletic. Uh, you know, we're going to come out and uh, play our best ball. You know, we want to improve from last week. Uh, just come out and, and attack, and you know, just try, try to score as many points as I can. Uh, we can, and just uh, you know, attack on all phases of the game.
1: Well, you 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 got the two touchdowns under your belt, man. So you're one of the the leaders of the league after week one. And I I, I was you know telling my buddies he's right now the best fantasy player in XFL history to me. As a receiver to start week one, i excited to see you get out there again. And your offense, I think, when you guys get clicking, are going to look really, really dangerous. And this is going to be a really fun game because, like you said, that atmosphere, Seattle fans, I mean, what's the buzz been like since you got back? And what are you anticipating from the crowd there in Seattle on Saturday night?
4: Yeah, uh, we're just, you know, like you said, looking for a crazy atmosphere, loud and proud. Um, obviously, we want to put a show on for you guys and just, give you guys our best look, our best shot, and uh, go out there and get a win for you know the city of Seattle
1: and our fans. Well, appreciate it, Austin, man. We're going to be watching you. On, that'll be on Fox as the Dragons and Vipers go at it. Both teams looking for their first wins of the season. Austin Prohl, thanks for joining us here on This is the XFL Show, man. Appreciate it.
4: See you guys on Saturday.
1: Thanks to everybody at the Seattle Dragons and Austin Prohl for giving us uh, the time and the insight. Uh, Seattle. Very much looking forward to seeing him catch some passes from Brandon Silvers or B.J. Daniels or whomever uh, this weekend. I'm sure no matter what, he's going to be tippy-toeing into the end zone. I got him for at least one touchdown. I got him maybe. I'm going to call Austin Prohl first touchdown catch ever in the XFL, Jake. Here's my second bold claim of the of the show. First ever three-point conversion, Austin Prohl. I'm
2: calling it. It's going to happen this weekend, you think?
1: This weekend. Got it book it man if that happens i'm going to look like a genius <laughs> but we'll see i'm more that's like I'm, a safe bet though cuz if it doesn't happen be like Oh, it's all right that's see that's uh, in sports talk radio that's like the the secret to everything just say something outrageous if it happens you're a genius if it doesn't no one cares all right but when <laughs> when you make picks in a game people do pay attention to that sometimes especially when everyone's talking about how immersive the betting community is with the XFL and how great it has been in week one and all the talk about over-unders and spreads. We've got all of that to talk about ourselves. And we've also got Vince to come in here to give his point of view. And he very much is into the entire betting community and everything that goes into the over-under, the spread, and and, and knowing the coaches, the players, their schemes, he could not make the recording of the show this week, but he did call in to give us his picks, talk about the spreads, and then he's going to throw it to us to break down these games some more in this week's Hot Read.
7: Hey, football fans, this is Vince from This is the XFL Show, and I'm here to talk about these four huge games coming up in week two i'm going to start off talking about tampa bay vipers favored by two and a half on the highway against the seattle dragons tampa bay ugly performance only three points in the opening weekend seattle at home they got a lot of hype around this team in the local market after suffering a tough loss i'm a little surprised Tampa Bay favored in this one, but I'm going to be going with the Seattle Dragons. They just look rather impressive a little bit at times on offense. The Austin Pro solid running game. I They were able to get after the quarterback a little bit. Cardell Jones has to do a lot of scrambling. I like Seattle in this game. Next one, I'm talking about Dallas Renegades favored by three and a half against Los Angeles Wildcats. Dallas no other way to sugarcoat it did not look good in their, in their opening game. Neither did LA for that matter but Dallas has a Calvary coming and Landry Jones the magic is going to be reunited this week with uh, with Landry Jones and Bob Stoops. I can't even get the words out I still can't believe he's in this week. but I'm going with Landry Jones and Bob Stoops Boomer, sooner this week three and a half Dallas over Los Angeles. Houston, eight and a half, eight-point favorite at home against St. Louis. St. Louis, a surprising week one win. Their defense looked tough. Jordan Tomu, he's getting a lot of hype right now, but this Houston team is rolling. June Jones has these guys going at all cylinders. P.J. Walker, this kid is temple tough. is throwing the ball all over the field. I really like Houston in this game. I'm not afraid to lay those eight points and then, what may be, be the game of the week? New York Guardians seven point road uh, underdog against the D.C. Defenders. Let me tell you something right now. This is the the game, uh, a closest game, but also the you know most bizarre one to pick, in my opinion. New York. Yeah, they won that game pretty handily, but Tampa was able to move that move the ball on them in DC. If it wasn't for a, a, a block kick for a touchdown, if it wasn't for an interception return for a touchdown, they may not have come away with a victory in, in that one against against Seattle in Week One. So it's hard to believe that this line is at seven points. I don't quite understand why it's that high. Uh, normally, you know, conventional wisdom would say that this is going to be a close, close game, maybe the closest of the weekend. Uh, but I'm going to trust the wise guys on this one. I'm going with the D.C. Defenders uh, giving seven at home.
1: There's Vince's picks against the spread and... We'll see if we agree with them, Jake. I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know you're not thinking about spreads. You're just trying to pick winners as best you can. I see. I'm selfish and I only pay attention to my own picks. Really, I don't f- totally forget what you did last week. I know you didn't go four and zero like me. How did you
2: feel about uh, your week one picks? Uh, you know, what? Let's, let's let's forget about week one and let's start <laughs> talking about week two. All
1: it right. is. It is a new week.
2: So week one was so
1: last week. It is. It, it is. It's so 2,000 late. <laughs> Let's talk about week number
6: two. It was probably one of the the best games that I've put out in my whole career playing football, but it's mostly a testament to the guys that I had around me because, I mean, I'm out there doing my thing, and it didn't even feel like all that was happening. You know, I had guys around me making all sorts of plays. That was New
1: York Guardians defensive lineman Bunmi Rotimi, whom I said would have a big week last week, and he did nine tackles, a sack, and a forced fumble. And let's talk about that first game, Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern on ABC. It is a a 6.5-point spread, according to FanDuel. Audi Field, the D.C. Defenders 1-0, hosting the 1-0 New York Guardians, an over-under of 48 and Hardell Jones and those D.C. wide receivers taking on that New York Guardian secondary, that New York Guardian defense, I would say, is really the matchup in terms of players, units of the week. That is exciting to me. I cannot wait to see both. Neither of these teams really ran the ball very well last week. So will we see a lot of stuff through the air? Will we see trick plays, special teams plays like D.C. pulled out? It's super interesting to break down. Vince brought that up. And... It's going to be a very tough one to pick. We don't know how both of these teams are going to come coming off a win. Are they going to have big heads? What's going to be the deal? We do know a little bit about the injury front. And on that, in that case, we've got some players on the offensive line who did not participate as of Thursday. When we record this show live on tape, Garrett Brumfield, the offensive lineman, Ian Silberman as well. Both didn't participate. In, in Thursday practices, and as for DC, they had some guys banged up, uh, Malachi Dupree, for instance, but he participated. The only DNP they had was Kalani Vakamayao with an ankle, and I might have lost our streak of uh, uh, pronouncing Polynesian names correctly, Bryant, but uh, the injury front, it looks like the Guardians are suffering a little bit more here again, going into DC, but... I don't know how much that will affect them with that defense
0: looking as good as they did last week. I'm picking the Guardians 22-18. Here's here's what I – New York should have lost that game. And I know people are making fun of me, but they they just didn't show up. Oh, my God. You don't use three points. Absurd things. No, I don't say absurd things. I'm I'm paying attention. Look, It should have been a closer
1: game. But they should not have lost that game. They played great. Well, I don't
0: know. They played to winning me, football. Dc <laughs> winning football. I guess I can't knock you on that one, right? I think DC's. I, I think New York comes back down to earth. DC continues to roll. I don't see how Cardell Jones does. Is responsible for four touchdowns this week. Uh, a couple, maybe if they get down to the one, they're not going to pass it the way Tampa Bay did. They're just going to put it in Cardell Jones's hands and have him, uh, you know, jump over the line or, or go through the line. Probably is what's going to happen. I think D.C. covers. I think D.C. Uh, rolls through New York, and I'm going to say it's going to be 36-12. to
1: Oh, my. That is I think
2: he's going to have to put up four touchdowns wild. because, uh, like we were saying last week, your defense got you one with that pick you ran back. Your special teams got you one on that blocked punt, and then again, your defense on a big fourth down stop. Uh, you know, saying all that, it, it sounds like I'm going to pick New York, but I don't. I'm still going to go with D.C. I think they're going to get more offensive production this game. Uh, we'll see what Matt McGloin could do. He looked really good last week. Uh, but, I mean, I don't – again, New York gave up three points. You can't be saying that defense is not good enough. But, you know, going against D.C., hmm. I'm still going to pick them this week.
0: I think New York didn't give up three points. Tampa Bay only scored three
2: points. I think there's a big difference between I, those two statements. I think it's the same thing.
0: That there, yeah,
2: that,
1: that's called bend don't break. And if you're not breaking, you're you're winning. <laughs> that's a bad one. way to. That's a bad way to live a football season. If you're bending t- and not breaking, if we're hey, a lot five, of championship teams won like that. If we're getting five sacks and and two picks, we're recovering fumbles and scoring on defense in a game. I'm happy. Uh, you know that this just looking at what the teams did last week. Also, both both defenses and special teams. Showed up and played, you know, really awesome football. Made splash plays, and then you got to look at what the offenses took of and and forced upon the defenses they went up against. And you know, the the New York offense maybe just a tad uh, less production than the DC, but not far off. This game is like virtually even all across to me. But that New York defense didn't press me enough. That's why I went with them. But this is definitely going to be, uh, I'm hoping, the best game. I'm going to call it. Last week I said the Guardians-Vipers game would be the best game. I was wrong there. That definitely was not the best game. But it might have been one of the best performances by that New York defense. Uh, There are all of our picks for that game, though. And, of course, that is on ABC Saturday at 2 p.m. Second and goal.
7: Indeed they do.
2: You got to be kidding me. Oh my gosh.
1: Now we go to the second game on Saturday, which is at 5 p.m. on Fox at CenturyLink Field. Again, 30,000 people expected there. Uh, a great crowd. The 0 1 Seattle Dragons hosting the 0 1 Tampa Bay Vipers. Dragons are dogs by three points in this, an over under. Total of forty-five. Jake, we'll start with you. We saw both offensive offenses move the ball, but make mistakes in Week One. How, you could do the first pick on this. How do you see it turning out? Knowing that neither of these teams played their best football in Week One.
2: No, neither of them did, and they both made uh, crucial crucial mistakes. But I think Seattle made less, and I'm not sure how they're not favored. To win this game, Tampa Bay, you know, at at this point, I need to see just get in the end zone. And I I don't have uh, I don't have doubts for another team that we're going to talk about after this that that did not make it in the end zone on week one. But Tampa needs to show me something. And for that reason, I'm picking Seattle at home. Uh, You know, going to be a lot of guy, a lot of gal in that stand. And I think it's going to be too much for the Vipers. But I, I need to see more from them.
1: Well, Aaron Murray's status up in the air, foot injury, did not participate it, in practice. It,
0: that that doesn't change my pick. Uh, <laughs> and uh, some status officially marked as out on XFL.com.
1: Officially marked, Aaron Murray is out. So we have Quinton Flowers and or Taylor Cornelius. And if you talk to Vince, he says if Cornelius is playing, the Vipers are going to play their best offensive football, Brian. So how do you see that Uh Playing out. So that must have come out as we were after we started recording. I did not see that. So Aaron Murray officially out with the foot injury. Uh, Cornelius second on the depth chart. People saw Quentin Flowers though last week. What do you think the Vipers do at QB and what do you think
0: score is? Hmm. Again, I'm very high on Tampa as you can tell by the previous game that we just talked about. But without Aaron Murray, who actually moved the football more so uh, than Um, Quinton Flowers, Uh, it's going to be loud. It's going to be hard. It's going to be a quarterback who's really not used to getting all the reps. Uh, It's going to be too difficult for Tampa, but you're right, Jake. We need to see something from Tampa. They need to score the football. I'm talking them up because I like the way they move the football. I don't know if I like the way they score the football because they haven't, so they're going to have to show me some points this week. I'm going to go Seattle just because of the way – uh, the Tampa Bay had to travel. They went from Tampa Bay to New York. I'm not sure if they went back to Tampa, but if they did, then they had to go back to Seattle. That's that's a lot of traveling. Uh, it's a later game for them. The stadium's going to be electric. I think everything is just factoring against Tampa right now. So I'm going to take Seattle uh, 27 to 18.
1: 27-18, huh? Well... I'm, I'm going to go with you on the Seattle pick. I've got it a little bit closer. i got Seattle 26-25. I do believe when Vince tells me how good Taylor Cornelius is, from what I've seen, if he's going to be the one replacing Aaron Murray for the majority of this game, I don't think uh, they'll skip a beat in terms of moving the ball, but I think they might actually punch the ball into the end zone a little bit finally. Um, but I do have Seattle winning t- by one point, 26-25. I think it'll be a close one. I think both teams are going to look even better than they did last week. Offensively, I'm I'm thinking Tampa Bay. Defensively, they have some question marks. I'm still uh, not ready to say that they're going to break through. They could not get after the quarterback last week, and Seattle showed some aptitude In terms of moving the ball, I'm interested to see what Jim Zorn does, too. Uh, You know, he had a great quote who said uh, he he felt exposed. Uh, He said, I think last week with all the access, it gave fans a chance to hear something. But he felt very exposed. Information on a football team has to be guarded a little bit. So we just got it right out there. I know it had to be fun, but not super fun for me to reveal all that stuff. What does he do to hide it or change it up? I'm excited to see how these coaches react to all that in week two, Jim Zorn in particular. And in front of that crowd, knowing you've got, I mean, a, an interesting quarterback situation to say the least for Tampa Bay, I think their offense really isn't as you know, that team three they're not a three point scoring offense, uh, but they still, I think, are going to go 0 to 2. Seattle Dragons 26 25 for me, and uh, yeah, should be an exciting game if that ends up being the score for those 30,000 people. At CenturyLink Field, we shall see when the Vipers take on the Dragons. We're planning on
6: starting Landry and and playing the whole game, and uh, you know protecting him like we need to. But he's he's felt great all week, so uh, and uh, so we're anxious
1: to see him out there. But let's go to Sunday now, where Bryant is going to be at Dignity Health Park, Sunday, three p.m. Eastern on ABC, when the tumultuous situation. Gets put on the center stage for the L.A. Wildcats. A fired defensive coordinator. A team captain off the team. L.A. 0-1. Four-point underdogs in their home opener against the 0-1 nine-point score in Dallas Renegades. But Landry Jones is playing in this game. Total at 48 for this one. And both Josh Johnson and Landry Jones expected for this one. And Bob Stoops said as much Earlier in the week,
0: I mean, if there's one team that depends on a quarterback coming back, that's going to be the Dallas Renegades. They, they,
1: what about Nelson, the LA Wildcats? They're expecting, they need a quarterback
0: too. There's got, well, check Off performed there's... in the first half. I think Houston figured them out, but <laughs> yeah, they, they, they were man. in good shape for house. a little bit there and <laughs> knocked, knocked him the- out. That's true. <laughs> that's why he's not playing probably this week. Uh, if Josh Johnson's playing, I think it gives LA a boost. There's a lot of stuff, a lot of noise. Uh, in LA and a lot of question marks about that stadium and how full it's going to be and how passionate those fans are just because of the way LA treats football. It's going to be fun to be there and and enjoy this one. Can LA turn their season around? It's so weird to say that as week two, as we only approach week two, but we said the last episode is, is you can't win the championship in this week, but you can definitely lose it. I don't need to see a victory out of LA to, 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 to temper all the, disappointment or all the panic but you need to see changes you need to see some team uh, some team building uh, as this game ends I am picking Dallas to win this game because of the Landry Jones factor Uh, I think it'll be a close one but I don't think LA is going to look as bad as it did in week one but Dallas is going to look much better than they did in week one Uh, I'm picking Dallas 31 to 27
1: this uh, must-win game, Jake, for the LA Wildcats. They, they've, they've got the, uh, the issues, you know, with the, the firings and players leaving. Dallas is also winless, but I feel like they could—a loss for if they lost this game, it would not—it would not be as horrific for their for their chances as it would for LA. Who uh, I don't know. It feels like they've started behind the eight ball a little bit compared to some of the other teams.
2: Yeah, I I agree with that. And like I was saying on our, uh, you know, on our episode earlier in the week, I I think it's must win. I understand it's only the second game in a brand new league, but whenever you say, uh, you know, better luck in your future endeavors to your defensive coordinator, after only one game, you're saying that I can do it better. And I sure hope he's right. But as for picking this game, uh, Bryant, I want to say, I'm sorry. Delaney, I want to say I'm sorry. Wildcat Nation, (laughs) Coach Moss, I'm sorry. But I'm going with the Dallas Renegades in this one.
1: Dallas Renegades, huh? Well, they are the favorites on the road. And uh, I do not expect uh, the, uh, the, the Dallas Renegades to have as anemic of an offense as they did last week. But honestly, I don't think it's going to be that much better it felt very dinky and dunky to me which is you know fine for this show what we do at the beginning but in the XFL you got to score and the LA offense showed some promise they just got figured out and their quarterback got hit a lot last week but it's a new quarterback a much more experienced quarterback in Josh Johnson this week for LA and i think losing Anthony Johnson is is pretty bad, I think. But the Pepper Johnsons change and Winston, Winston Moss knows a defense. They're going to be fine with the play calling defensively. I'm picking L.A. in this one. I, I, I'm i going 20-17 to 17 for the Wildcats. The Renegades offense, to me, does not look like the big play offense a lot of people were anticipating. They looked like they were almost – I mean, it might have been the quarterback Philip Nelson, but how much better will Andrew Jones be, especially coming off of an injury, to go downfield, to have that confidence, to to be not be fearful of Sean Oakman eating him up? I mean, Sean Oakman is going to be, you're talking about a quarterback coming off a knee injury, and last week Sean Oakman was getting after Philip Walker, and he's elusive, Bryant. That bodes well, that matchup, I think. For the L.A. Wildcats, which is definitely one of the reasons factoring into why I'm picking them to win this one upset of the week, if you will, in their home opener, L.A. Wildcats 20 to 17. What do you think about that?
0: I think I think you're great with that. Sean Oakman, pick. he was one of my thoughts in terms of sacks, probably going to be in, in the two or three sack range just because you're right. He he was able to get P.J. Walker a few times if he could keep those hits legal. I think he was flagged on one of those on P.J. Walker in the last game. But with Landry Jones in that quarterback, or even if uh, in that uh, position, or even um, Nelson, if that ends up happening again, back in uh, back in of Landry Jones, I think Sean Oakman is going to have himself a couple sack lunches uh, this weekend. But still, it's just there's too many question marks, too many too many factors. If LA can pull this one off and and and, and shut down all that noise, I think it's going to be a great season for the Wildcats. But like I said, I don't have to see a victory. I don't think it's a must win, but you definitely need some change uh, coming from that Wildcats locker room and the field. Uh, Brian, can I ask you
2: something before we move on here? Yeah, of course. Because I'm one of those people that felt like, you know, while it looked amazing on TV, all those motorcycles driving out in front of the red guys, uh, the run gates, I mean, they, they were just sucking fumes. And I really think that's what led to their demise. <laughs> Can you tell me, well, what well, is the, the smog big, level?
0: Yeah, like that's going to say, you know if that's a case, Carson, you know, very industrial-based Carson, uh, California, is, is a lot of factories, a lot of them are right next to the ports of L.A. Uh, smog level in Carson is pretty high, so you got to be careful out there for sure.
1: Huge home field advantage for the L.A. Wildcats because <laughs> of the smog. Uh, No, and also because I think that defense better than what people were saying. And also back to the wall mentality this week for the Wildcats. And it is for me, it's a must win for them. And I think, Jake, what do you think about this? We could shut down any talk about, oh, they have issues. They fired a defensive coordinator, a captain left the team. I mean, all that gets squashed, right? If they just win this game, we don't talk about that ever again
2: absolutely that that's not the number one story going into next week if they win this week
1: we'll see what they do it's Sunday 3 p.m on ABC Eastern that is and the LA Wildcats 0-1 the Dallas Renegades 0-1 both teams looking for that first W
3: coming from a pro style system to a a straight out run and shoot system is a lot different you know especially the fact that I was on the center like a lot in my career and now I'm just in the gun a lot in the shotgun a lot
1: both teams lost to the Teams that will be playing in the Sunday evening game, 6 p.m. Eastern on FS1. The L.A. Wildcats losing to the home Houston Roughnecks in this game. The 1-0 Houston Roughnecks will be taking on the St. Louis Battlehawks, also 1-0. They beat the Dallas Renegades. This matchup, a matchup of, I think, two of the best quarterbacks in the league, two explosive players, Jordan Tamu of the Battlehawks, and P.J. Walker, XFL star for Week 1 for the Houston Roughnecks. I'm interested most of all, though, in this one, Brian, seeing how the Battle Hawks gear up to stop the run-and-shoot a week after they were gearing up to stop the air raid, a shorter, a, a quicker offense, the run-and-shoot, a, a fast-paced offense, but one that is going to be looking for the big play more. Different offenses the Battle Hawks are, are preparing for in back-to-back weeks, both on the road, I think if they pull this one off, it is definitely going to be something we should be talking about all season long. As as maybe the most important two week stretch for any team if they can do it. Do
0: you think the playing styles of Jordan Tamu and PJ Walker helps the St. Louis BattleHawks defense at all going into this game? Because now you know St. Louis is going against a quarterback that they practice against. Every single day. So, does that help? I, I, I'm just, I It's something I've been battling all week, trying to figure out. Eight point underdogs, though. I mean, the sports books. You, you know, St. Louis was a nine point underdog last week, and and totally just threw that out the window. Putting them at eight, I feel like that's so. I know Houston's probably a better team than Dallas, but that just seems like a, a lot of points to be given up uh, for the BattleHawk. I'm sorry for Houston in this game. I know I'm not the sports betting guy.
1: Well, I you're think Houston. Actually- You'll find this interesting. This is what I I marked down for this game. So when I saw that line, I said, Okay, they're thinking that the Roughnecks are like the Orlando Apollos were in the AAF. They are giving them all the credit. They are they're saying, Wow, this team really looked that much better than everybody else. But I think week two is the week we find out what Oliver Luck has been talking about a whole lot, uh, for you know, leading up to kickoff and that was the parity in this league and how these teams and how the draft was structured and how they were all put together it was aimed that the, there would be parity across the league these teams would be you know evenly distributed when it comes to talent and that we would have very competitive games all across the board and we saw you know some teams look you know, inferior in week one, but I think that might have been just a case of being slow out of the gates rather than being less talented. I think week two is going to tell us a whole lot about the parody aspect and how much better the Roughnecks are than everybody else in this game because they're not playing a slouch in the Battlehawks,
7: Brian.
0: They aren't. And, you know, maybe this game preseason was thought to be more of a slouch game uh, for the Battlehawks. I mean, a slouch team in the Battlehawks. You're right. Parody is important. Is it going to show up in this game? I think not. I think Houston takes command. Do I think they're the Apollos? Definitely not. But I think right now they just look by far the better team. And St. Louis still has a lot to prove because they really didn't score that many points last week uh, in Dallas. So I'm picking the, the Roughnecks uh, in a whopper. I'm going to go 37 to 15.
1: that's a pretty big win for the Roughnecks. Jake, what about that Battlehawks defense? You know, we saw the LA Wildcats defense grayed out okay, even though they gave up all those points to the Roughnecks. The Battlehawks defense held the team in the Renegades to nine points. Are they that much better than the Wildcats defense? And if so, can they stop P.J. Walker?
2: Well, I, you know, they're definitely going to give up more than nine points. This week, I'll say that this is a, a difficult one for me uh, to predict. I, I'm just going to go back to what I said earlier in the week, whenever we were naming our power rankings and I had Houston at, at number one. So uh, I guess that means I'm going to pick them here. I, I don't know if I'm going to have it, have them winning it by as much of a margin as a, as Brian said, perhaps it could be closer, but uh, I, just from you know looking at the evidence that we've been presented so far, Houston, to me, looks the strongest.
1: So You've got Houston winning. Do you have a score? I, I do. Uh, no,
2: I, I'm not picking.
1: Scores. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I was trying to get one out of them. Uh, it's a 50.5 total, uh, according to FanDuel, and I've got it at 34-19 for the Roughnecks. Um, I do think P.J. Walker breaks through. Uh, against this defense, even still, I think the Battlehawks uh are comparable to the Wildcats defensively. And I think P.J. Walker, two weeks in a row, is going to have some fun. Uh, but the question in this one is, what about that Roughnecks defense? Was it that damn good? And can they get after Jordan Tamu, who is infinitely more elusive than Charles Knopf? Uh, I'm interested to see how he reacts. Now, I think the difference between Ta'amu and P.J. Walker is the fact that Walker can avoid a sack, avoid a rush anywhere on the field. He could go to his left or his right and make the play down the field. I think Ta'amu can avoid it, but I don't know if he can make the throw afterwards accurately, efficiently. I think he's more liable to just run the ball and maybe not make as big of a play as P.J. Walker is capable of. And that's why I think Houston's going to make a few more big plays in this game. I expect the BattleHawks to make this a game, but eventually Roughnecks will pull away um, and hit that cover, that eight-point spread. But I don't know. We'll see. I I I think that parity might come into play if in, in any game it might be this one that we see it in. And that definitely, if the BattleHawks win this game, we're definitely going to have to submit to the commissioner that yes, parity exists in the XFL. We shall find out, I think, in week number two here. And that game is at 6 p.m. on FS1 on Sunday to round out week number two of the XFL. Those are all of our picks. Lock them in. Hey, football fans, it's Alan. And before we wrap up this episode, we are going to toss in some bonus interviews we were able to get right after we got done recording the show with some Houston Roughnecks representatives. That's right, Chris Miller, the offensive coordinator, and wide receiver Nick Hawley both joined me on Friday morning to talk about their week one victory and their preparations for the big game against the St. Louis Battlehawks. So let's take you to both of those good crisp interviews back to back. First up, we will discuss the run and shoot offense of the Houston Roughnecks with their offensive coordinator, Chris Miller, followed by wide receiver Nick Holly, who had a big game with a handful of catches, being one of the most reliable targets for XFL Star of the Week, P.J. Walker. Bonus access to the players and coaches of the XFL. This is a glimpse into some more Week 2 preparations for that Houston Roughnecks-St. Louis Battlehawks game, and this is the XFL Show. How exciting was that Week 1 victory to be out there in front of all those fans? You had a great crowd.
6: Oh, I tell you what, it was awesome. You know, I think the uh, the uncertainty or unexpectedness of how many people were going to show up, what it was going to look like, what the environment would be like, uh, it exceeded my expectations. I think by a long way. So The crowd was phenomenal. We were around twenty thousand people, but it was vibrant and electric. And the good Lord blessed us with a great night for weather, and, and the game went well. So it was. Uh, it came off. Uh, it came off better than expected
1: and equally electric was your offense how fun was it calling that game last week seeing pj walker and all those those players those wide receivers delivering on some really big plays for you
6: well coach june jones calls the offense so i was uh, i was right next to him with a few suggestions and you know we do a collaborative effort on the game planning and putting that all together but it's his baby on game day so uh he called an excellent game and and I like the fact, you know, we started out a little bit sluggish. We got behind. We were down 14-6, I believe. Then we put a good rally together and scored the last 25 points of the game and and, and, and operated a lot more effectively in the second half. So, you know, there are some first-game jitters and flaws and things you have to work through, but I'm proud of the way we uh, we handled those things and, and uh, improved in the second half for sure.
1: And you, you and Coach Jones have been up and down the roads a lot together, and you both have experienced a lot of football. What was it like having – all those play calls aired on live TV.
6: Well, it's interesting. You know, I watched the uh, second half of the Dallas-St. Louis game, and I think they had every single call uh, on television. And I'm like, wow, this is—you talk about uh, undressing yourself and and putting your scheme and your schematics and calls out there to the world. Uh, I think watching our playback, there were probably maybe only four or five or six full play calls where you can kind of hear what we were calling. So it was a little bit more. Uh, secretive, if that's the right word uh, on our aspect, but it certainly is uh, user friendly and fan friendly and it's got to be a blast for them watching the game.
1: And you guys came out of storming out of the gates as an offense, really, uh, compa- at least compared to some of the other teams, We're putting up 37. And, and you know, the, the fast pace, I feel watching it on TV really look like you guys, I don't know if you catered the offense to the uptempo rules that the XFL is going for, or is that just the natural state of the, 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 the natural fit of the run and shoot? Is it perfect for the framework of that XFL rule book, you think?
6: Well, I think it works well. I think as a coordinator, you have to cater your game to that 25-second clock. Uh, you know, you got seven seconds where the ball's spotted, then they wind the clock. And so if you're sitting in a huddle calling long, verbiage wordy plays, you're going to get some delays. Your quarterback's going to be panicked at the line of scrimmage, trying to evaluate the defense, get the motion set, and do all those things. So, you know, the operation has to be smooth. June Jones was up in uh, Hamilton in Canada the last two years under a 20-second play clock. So I think that was conducive for him to operate within those parameters, and it's made a smooth transition for us as an offense to make sure we get up and give P.J. time to evaluate the D and read it and then get it snapped.
1: And he was really making some huge plays. I mean, down the field plays that we weren't seeing in, in, in the other games. Uh, how how much of, of a factor was P.J. Walker's arm and his elusiveness uh, a factor in, just, in him winning that starting job uh, the way he did? Because we know it was a good competition between him and Connor Cook
6: yeah that's a great question i think uh, I think that's what did Win p j job. you know that opportunity for those explosive plays down the field. He's got great arm talent, you know he can make every throw and it's dynamic and it jumps out of his hand and and then you match the athleticism with that and he probably made three or four key plays during the game where he got out of the pocket extended plays he hit one to Sammy Coates, he hit one to Sam Obley for a touchdown, made a couple plays with his legs, and those are things that beat a perfectly structured defense that's in the right place doing the right things then when you get out and make that secondary play it's kind of a backbreaker so that's his special sauce and that's kind of what we're counting on and he's got that new jersey toughness about him and that great leadership quality so week one was a success and, and now we got to have the same week two and kind of back it up to prove it you know
1: yeah, and you're playing a pretty darn good defense in the St. Louis Battlehawks, who last week going up against the Air Raid pretty much shut them down. And a lot of fans, when we, we talk to them on social media and they call into our show, they kind of confuse the Air Raid with your guys' offense, the run and shoot. What are the key differences that that Battlehawk defense is going to have to adjust to this week to you guys? Because it's a pretty exciting matchup.
6: Yeah, it really is. Uh, they're a good defense. They're long. They got some good athletes on their side of the field. Um, I think a couple of things that define our offense, you know, we're a vertical passing game. We're going to get down the field and stretching vertically. Where right? I think the air rate is a little bit more horizontal working off 53 and a third yards of the field. And, you know, which we do, but uh, I know Dallas was missing their main quarterback, Landry Jones. He was out. So I think their offense was a little bit flat, but, uh, you know, uh, St. Louis has a good front seven. They play conservatively in the defensive uh, secondary. They'll play some deep cover two, some two Tampa, some three deep stuff. They got Will Hill, as safety, a, a longtime NFL veteran back there, kind of the quarterback of the defense. So it'll be a good test for us, but we're certainly looking forward to it.
1: I'm looking forward to watching that matchup coach. We really appreciate you joining us talking the ins and outs of of that awesome offense that came out of the gates looking fantastic in week number one and uh, have fun out there this weekend in front of the home crowd again in week two against the St. Louis BattleHawks.
6: We certainly will. Thanks for having me on and keep up the good work.
1: What's up man. Happy week two to you.
8: I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's awesome to be at uh, at week two. I think the, the St Louis Battlehawks are are quite a team or they're gonna put up, you know, quite the challenge and it's gonna be a, a great uh, opportunity to see where we are as a team because they're very well coached, they play hard, they got a lot of talented players and um it's just gonna be a fun atmosphere.
1: Awesome. Well, I'm going to definitely ask you about your opponents this week, but I do want to look back at last week a little bit because it was pretty magical to see you guys out there. That crowd was rocking at TD ECU Stadium, and obviously the W was what mattered, but what did you take from the overall experience of that crowd, the TV people running you down for interviews and having a headset in your helmet during the game? What was that all like?
8: Man, it was dreamlike uh, just to to be out there and and to do what you love and, and to have the atmosphere. I mean, I heard, I was told that Houston shows up for their sporting events and they support their boys and, you know, their diehard fans. And, you know, in my mind, I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, I, I played some big arenas, but man, they, they really show up and the people that do show up are loud and supportive and incredible and, and the atmosphere was just so electric and, and being able to play in front of that was just so much fun and and really uplifting and then you know having the attention or the success that not only us as a team got or or had um, but me as an individual it just you know was the icing on the cake and and I had so much fun enjoying playing with the guys next to me and and being out there with the team and and just doing what I love.
1: Oh man, and it was it was great watching you out there. That one catch you had absolutely absurd, and and that throw for PJ Walker. A lot of people talking about that all week long. June Jones and Chris Miller had you guys going out there ready to make some amazing plays. They were having you go downfield. What's it like playing in this offense, the infamous run and shoot?
8: Well, I'm just gonna say, you know, I, I don't know all that much about the run and shoot besides what I've learned here, and I will say it's absolutely incredible in the fact that for a guy like myself that gives the opportunity to read the defense. It gives the opportunity for you to exploit a defense and for you to run dang near any route you want based off of what the coverage is. And the quarterback knows, Hey, this is what you're going to do based off of whatever the look is. So um, playing other playing under coach Jones has, has grown me so much as a player and not only as a player as an individual, just, uh, you know, his morals and his qualities and, and what he um, demands from his guys. But, his knowledge of the game and, and his teachings of reading defenses and, and, manipulating DBs and just putting yourself in positions to win has been absolutely incredible for my football knowledge and for, you know, my, ultimately my football future. So um, I absolutely love the offense at any point in the, in a game. It don't matter what, you know, where you're at in the field, you can score. It's very dynamic. It's very fun. It's very fast. And uh, like you said, having the headset and, and the helmet is something that you know I very much enjoy. Sometimes Coach Jones, I think he enjoys it a little bit more than we do because we'll be in the middle of the play and he'll be, throw it, PJ. You know, or so um, we have fun with it. We have a good time and we joke about it on the sideline. But um, all in all, offensively, team-wide, our coordinators, our head coach, I love everything about it.
1: Yeah, you you actually answered my next question as well there, Nick, because I was going to say we had Coach Jones on the show a couple months ago, and I just talked to – coach miller and just as a as a fan a football fan talking to them the wisdom and and the knowledge that they bestowed on our show i just came out feeling like a smarter football fan i could only imagine Mm -hmm. what you guys are learning and and experiencing as players and yeah i love watching this because it looks like you guys have a lot of freedom out there on offense to just go out there and make plays that we know your quarterback loves to do that he was the first ever xfl star of the week pj walker and obviously you you yourself and the other receivers and everybody on that offense helped him out a lot but how confident are you guys in your quarterback after seeing what he could do in week one?
8: Yeah. Um, well, we've seen it all mini camp, all training camp. So, you know, we went into week one and, and kind of knew what to expect. Um, PJ's a, a very electric guy. He's an exciting guy to watch. And the cool the, the thing that I like about PJ the most is that you can communicate with him. He's not a guy that's, you know, he's level-headed. He's going to take your, your, you know, whatever you say into consideration. And then the next play, he's he's going to get it. So if I say, hey, PJ, I saw this on this look, and the next play, we see that same look, and I run the same thing, he's going to take a peek at me because that's the type of guy he is, and we've built that relationship, that trust. So I love the level-headedness of him. I love his dynamic. I love the way he plays the game. Um, I told him the other day, I said, hey, I got an interview the other day, and I said, they asked me what it was like working with PJ Walker. I said, yeah, I see a little bit of myself in him. So <laughs> I was joking, being that you know my old quarterback days. So uh, no, I love working with them, and like I said, it's, it's we're confident in them. We stand behind them, and uh, we're hoping to take this thing all the way, all the way with uh, him throwing the ball.
1: And you guys certainly were slinging it down the field, fun watching this offense, and now you guys go up a very unique challenge this week in St. Louis. Last week you guys played a defense that I think uh, has a lot of special players on it, but this St. Louis defense last week really shut down the Dallas Renegades. How do you guys continue what you started in week one against a team with a, def- a defense that was able to shut down that air raid last week?
8: Yeah, well – um, like you said, there's a lot of talent, there's a lot of discipline, and it's a a very good team that we're going up against. They have a great defense. Um, I think, you know, it comes down to just doing what your coach to do, doing your technique, giving it everything you got, making the big plays when the big plays are there, and just taking every opportunity you can and, and, you know, just slowly working the ball down the field and being patient. You're not always going to get the big one. You're not always, you know, the plays aren't always going to work out, but um, as an offense, you stay patient, you stay patient, and then you might hit one. So, I think the big key for us going into this game is, is just to, you know, outwill them, to to use what we have here, talent wise, what we've been coached to do, and just execute. And and mm-hmm. if if that's all taken care of, then you know we'll see what happens at the end of the game.
1: Well, we will see. It is the, the final game of week two, Sunday, at 6 p.m. Eastern on FS1. The Battle Hawks coming into town to take on the Houston Roughnecks. Nick Hawley, thanks so much for joining us here on This is the XFL Show. Man, you are welcome back here anytime. I love nerding out, talking football with, with your coaches and now your players. These Roughnecks know their stuff, and they, they have a good time on the podcast, so
8: really appreciate it. Man. Perfect. Yeah, I'd love to come back anytime.
1: My streak hopefully will continue, Jake, but I don't know. I'm not as confident this week as I was in week one, which is kind of odd considering we had never seen the teams play before.
2: Yeah, and I almost feel like week two, we're, we're seeing them for the first time all over again. Uh, would not be surprised if we're way off on this. You know, uh, we, we've got some new stars coming out of week two, which I think would be good because then everybody's just going to be talking about week three even more.
1: And the cool thing about this week is that there are – you know, t- there's two games of winless teams against each other and two games of undefeated teams against each other. And yeah. that means, Bryant. in week three, we're going to be saying, oh, well, this team and that team are destined for the XFL championship. You know, that's going to be the case when it comes <laughs> to who wins that Defenders-Guardians game and that last game with the Battle Hawks and the Roughnecks.
0: We'll definitely have two teams at 2-0 and and two teams at 0-2. It's the parity level, regardless of what it is, is going to be great after this week because of the simple fact that we might have uh, two undefeated teams in the East. We might have one in the West, one in the East. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, remember, if you're in one of those markets, LA, Seattle, uh, DC, if you can still, or in Houston, go to xfl.com/tickets. Get your tickets. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm gonna be in LA, so if you're there, come say hi. Uh, I've been known to take pictures with fans, by the way, in, in the past. So just go ahead and and, and don't don't be scared. Uh, I, I totally welcome any any type of pictures or autographs, totally fine. I, I've been working on my signature, too. Are, are you are hey, you? Hey, lobbying? let me finish my plugs here. Let me are finish you? my plugs here. Uh, if you haven't, wow. if you're listening to us for the first time, make sure you hit that subscribe button on your podcast gimmick. We're here every single Tuesday and Friday, uh, Thursday evenings. Uh, listen to us on XFL.com or uh, on YouTube.com slash XFL, the official YouTube channel of the XFL.
1: Wow, Bryant really had to get that in there, uh, Jake, to yeah. get the pictures of people since he saw It was saw just Vince in the and, list of plugs.
0: Yeah, since I mean, he here. saw Vince and I on oh yeah, wait, wait, Sorry, social media
2: uh, at XFL show. Yes. Sorry, forgot you that. know, if if we weren't friends, I would say I'd want to throw you off a rig.
1: <laughs> <laughs> throw him off the rig. Throw him off the rig. <laughs> I love it. All right, yep. Well, Bryant got all the plugs in there. I'll throw these in as well. Uh, footballadvisorynetwork.com is where you could go if you really want to talk with your fellow football nerds and also have the league hear directly from you with your feedback on what you've seen so far from the XFL. Because like we say at the end of the show, they're listening, and that's the place to really be heard is footballadvisorynetwork.com or call into us at 724-565-4XFL. We love hearing you on the XFL fan line. The picks are locked in. The kickoff times are set. I mean, there's only one thing left to do for week number two, Jake, and that is play some football, and then we'll be back uh, with some mini sods over the weekend.
2: Yeah, we're going to try to recap the games like we were uh, last week. We'll have four more of them for you, see what's the same, see what's going to change, what's going to be different. Are we going to look smart? Are we going to look dumb? I don't know yet. (laughs) We'll have to find (laughs) out, so keep it locked to the podcast feed
1: and, of course, XFL.com for our mini-sode recaps, and all the content we got coming at you because it's a whole lot because there's a lot of football being played. Bryant, you got anything left before we get out of here?
0: That's it. Enjoy it. If you have time, spend it on social media during these games. It's a lot of fun to see the recaps, instant analysis from XFL, from us, from all the different accounts on there too. But have enjoy it. Have fun. Uh, we've only got, what, we only have nine full weeks of this left and then the playoffs.
1: Yeah, he already said that it's uh, April 26 is almost coming and it's going to be over. It's just getting started. We're closer than ever to we the championship game. In it
6: Houston, makes me sad.
1: In Houston. Yeah, but enjoy it, baby. Here we go, week number 2 of the XFL 2020 season. We hope you enjoy it. We hope you'll join us for our mini-sode recaps and of course each and every single big show on Tuesday mornings and late late Thursday nights thanks for listening everybody don't forget to subscribe leave a review on apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and we'll see you this weekend for some more xfl talk for vince on the on the fan line calling in with his picks for Bryant, for jake i'm alan this is the xfl show remember they're listening